to episode 12 of the Long Story Short podcast. I'm your host, Vicky Cornick. I am so excited to have the lovely Mary Jo, also known on Instagram as MJ Nutrition, on today's episode. Mary Jo is a master's qualified nutritionist specializing in women's hormones and PCOS. She aims to give women lifelong solutions to managing their hormone problems and PCOS. She also empowers women to understand how their hormones work and how they can better support their hormonal health so that they can thrive every day. On today's episode, we discuss all things PCOS, how it's diagnosed, and the ways you can help manage your PCOS, especially through diet and exercise. I absolutely loved this chat with Mary Jo, and whether or not you suffer with PCOS, I can only guarantee you'll find it interesting. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Long Story Short podcast. I'm joined by Mary Jo. Thank you so much, Mary Jo, for coming on. Hi, Vicky. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to having the chat with PCOS. Amazing. So Mary Jo, I've been following you for quite a while on, on Instagram now, and you are the absolute queen of all PCOS information and um, knowledge. So before we get into things, I would love for you to tell our listeners who you are, what you do, and who exactly you work with. Amazing. Well, I love that intro, PCOS queen. <laughs> um so I have PCOS myself, which probably makes me um, a bit more specialized than most because I have a master's in nutrition along with having PCOS and having the two combined, I feel makes me able to help a lot more people with the complicated uh, syndrome, which is PCOS. So um, yeah, I help women who have PCOS, um, I suppose, get lifelong solutions for it um, rather than quick fixes. Um, I help them understand what the condition actually is rather than just telling them what to do or giving them a diet plan or telling them what to cut out and things like that, which is, again, often what's told to them, told, uh, to the advice given to women. Um, so, yeah, I help them in a one-to-one capacity. And I have also a PCOS Reset Bootcamp, um, which is like an eight-week group program for women with PCOS, which has lots of support in it, Um you know, to help women understand and get lifelong solutions for PCOS. Um, so I have a master's in nutrition. I studied nutrition for about seven years. And um, that I think has equipped me with a lot of, I suppose, expertise to like understand what is rubbish and what is actually good information to be able to provide then to my clients. And um, because like, you probably know yourself, there is so much information out there and stuff that like, you know, you, you do need to be able to decipher, is this actually factual? Is this evidence-based? Is it real? Um, and I think that's really important. Um, and as nutritionists, it's, it's, um, <clears throat> it's an important job to be able to help clients with the right information and not just be giving them, you know, wrong, unhelpful and possibly dangerous information down the line. Um, so I think that's in summary what I, what about me, like I said, I have PCOS myself, which definitely drew me into the area of female health. And, you know, it's such a, I feel it's an area that still goes undercover, if you want to call it, like it's not well uh, known um, in the wider field. I feel like in my field it is because I see it everywhere now, but like, you know, on a general level, not many people would know about it, what it is. And, you know, that's great probably because you don't have the condition, but there's so many women who are under, not diagnosed, uh, but have symptoms of it. And, um, you know, so I really wanted to create an awareness and education on this. And I also like to talk about female health in general, like, you know, problems with periods, PMS, endometriosis and things like that to create awareness and uh, education on those topics as well. Um, I just really like to, I suppose, support women on these areas because it's a huge part of our lives. We have hormones and periods and everything every single day, really. We go through ups and downs and, you know, we're not against, it's not something we're ever taught about in school. So a lot of my job is to try and help um get people to know more about how their bodies are working, how their hormones are working and what they can do uh, to empower themselves to feel better, to feel healthier, stronger and work with their hormones. Um, So yeah, in a nutshell, that's pretty much me and what I do and how I do it. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. I, I just think going back to what you said there about like not knowing any of this stuff in school. I remember growing up, I had a friend whose older sister had PCOS and like, I didn't I, I had no idea what that was we I were know. probably second or third year in school and all I knew that there was you know that she had a, a higher um level of testosterone that was yeah. all that I knew that it was and I didn't even 
connect that it was any relation to being a female or, or anything yeah, like that. So yeah. I suppose given and I I don't know any anyone here as much as you do, but um given what I know now, I'm like, wow, like we we growing up, especially as females, can be really uneducated and I suppose I hope I hope that changes over time, but with the likes of yourself, um, you know, putting the message out there is is really, you know, great and, and important. Yeah. Um I suppose let's start with what is PCOS for anybody that doesn't know and and how is it diagnosed? Yeah, so it stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. So it is a syndrome and you don't have to have every single symptom to tick the box or have it. But it is a, it's characterized by having high levels of male androgens or testosterone, like you said, uh, irregular menstrual cycles and possibly cysts on the ovaries. Um, so they're like the characteristics of it. And then the symptoms vary for every single woman or person. Uh, you can have weight gain, infertility, excess hair growth, hair loss, acne, um, mood disturbances like anxiety and depression, um, binge eating, all of those things can come into it. Um, and they're kind of, I suppose, associated with it. Um, but the characteristics are the excess male hormones and their regular cycles. So to be diagnosed with PCOS, you do need to have elevated androgens uh, which are the male hormones and they will appear either physically so you'll see them on your uh, like um on your body basically so whether you have excess hair growth on your on your say your face or your jaw your upper back uh, your lower back your stomach your nipples your chest area uh, so you just have more hair than what would be a typical woman would have and uh, it's darker it's coarser so it's not like peach fuzz or anything like that it's you know it, it is you know it's growing in excess I guess and it's more stubborn then you may have acne um particularly again hormonal acne around the jawline chest area upper back area and also hair loss and the hair loss occurs around the male pattern areas so male balding areas so like the forehead the temple areas and things like that but you may also just shed hair as well as your hair gets thinner um too so they're the physical signs of lower um, of higher androgens um and then there is the biochemical signs so where you'd have high testosterone and free testosterone in the blood and that's important to get measured or tested as well Uh, and this would be then along with either cysts on your ovaries or irregular menstrual cycles so it is it's understood that like understandably people um would get confused but you actually don't need to have the cysts on the ovaries to have PCOS um so many women have cysts just you know different stages of your cycle you're going to grow more cysts and cysts are basically just unruptured follicles and um, they're not actually like really cysts they're just unruptured follicles uh, and at different stages of the cycle some women will have more of them than others um but the problem is with PCOS you may develop a lot of these unruptured follicles as they're trying to grow and release an egg but they're just failing and not getting there so you can build up all these undeveloped uh, follicles or cysts but like I said you don't have to have those you could have the high androgens and the regular cycles and no cysts but you'd have PCOS um and some women have cysts on their ovaries don't have PCOS and they may have a condition called hypothalamic amenorrhea so there's um it's really important that you're not, if you're getting a diagnosis for PCOS, you're not just going by an ultrasound and the cysts alone. It's really important that you get your blood test done and look for the androgen levels in your blood because that's a big characteristic of PCOS really. So yeah, that's the diagnostic uh, criteria really. The two out of the three, but really, you know, the, the most important one is that androgens need to be in, in that box really in that criteria to be diagnosed with PCOS and then you have irregular periods and more importantly not just irregular periods but more you're not ovulating so uh, ovulation is the the reason why we get periods and the problem with PCOS is women are not ovulating so again it's it's not just the periods itself it's are you actually ovulating and then the the cysts and the ovaries are the last part really so you may have all three but if you've got the androgens and one of the other two then you most likely have PCOS um if you're going through the diagnostic process you should be getting tested for things like like problems with your adrenal glands this can also cause excess androgens so you want to rule that out first rule out thyroid conditions as well so there's a few things to get ruled out as well and which should be done when you're going through the diagnostic process interesting that's that's amazing all that all that information and um, do you mind me asking how 
you were diagnosed, what what was the first kind of thing you noticed? Well, I was diagnosed when I was really young. I think I was like, I, I, I do forget, I think it was like 19 or 20. But like through my teenage years, I had terrible periods. I'd get like, when I got them, they were the most heavy and painful periods. I was on Ponston and just really extreme um, high dose medication just to relieve the pain. I'd have to come home from school. And um, of course, my mom was really, really worried and bringing me to like gynecologists and endocrinologists and things like that. And um, it, it brought me through like, I suppose, a few through my teenage years there was definitely we knew there was something wrong I was having these really like irregular periods they just weren't regular and that can be common enough for teenage years as your cycle is developing really your your cycle is starting to come together in your teenage years so it's common enough to have irregular cycles and so I, I still looking back don't think that was probably that problematic even though it was very painful and that was a problematic piece and but the irregular side of it isn't you know too problematic if anyone's listening now and thinking oh that's me I wouldn't worry too much yet if you're in your teenage years when I got to like 19 or 20, I remember I was just going on a J1 to America and um, I was going to my, my the specialist and they put me on the pill for PCOS and um, they diagnosed me based on the irregular periods and the I had androgens, the testosterone and I had cysts on the ovaries. So I actually had the trifectus, if you want to call yeah. it that. I had everything really at the time. Um, so that, that's how I was diagnosed. And then I was put on the pill at 20 and I was on it for like, up, I was on it on and off throughout my 20s to, to manage my PCOS during my 20s. And I would probably talk about this, but then like the pill I realized was not the, the treatment really that it wasn't really working for my PCOS. And I realized this mid 20s and was a bit like, what the hell? Like shocked and annoyed and frustrated. I was like, why have I, have I been doing this when, especially as someone who is in really likes to work on my health and nutrition and that I was like, I'm taking something that really isn't actually managing the cause. Um, and I suppose that's what I learned a lot more about when I was studying my master's and um, when I was doing my master's in nutrition, I focused a lot on female health topics and was learning so much about this area. And I suppose I'll go into it now. The pill was given to me to induce the period really I was it was to, it was going to give me a bleed every month and so I was under the illusion impression which everyone is and naturally would assume that I was being given getting a period every month because I was bleeding and my my specialist told me that yeah you, we're going to regulate your cycle now with the pill and I was like amazing why well this was so cool um but then I realized actually what was happening I was shutting down all of the hormones in my body shutting down estrogen and progesterone and my natural cycle so when you have a normal cycle, you ovulate halfway through it, most likely, you know, in most typical cases. But that was being shut off. I was completely shutting down ovulation, stopped making all my own hormones, and therefore wasn't getting a natural period. I was just getting this withdrawal bleed from the dr- the, p- the pill whenever I took a break from it. Um, and so when I realized that, I was like, okay. And then I realized the problems of that was that if I'm not ovulating and not making my own hormones, um, I'm never going to be able to regulate my cycle this way naturally. If I want to have kids in the future, I'll have to come off the pill at some point and, you know, like I'll need to get a regular cycle to ovulate, but I'm not, uh, you know, how do I do that if I'm on this pill for so long? And all these thoughts are going around my head. So I just came off it like in my, I think it was around 26 or 27. Um, and it was a bit of a work in progress for about probably two years. And then around the age of 29, I think I started really seeing like changes that I was, I was improving my cycle and I'm 31 now and I've had a regular cycle for about two years now, which I never thought I'd be able to say I would have in my twenties. Cause I just was either coming on or off pills, irregular cycles all through my twenties, just never had a clue when my period would come. And now I have that in my thirties, which is funny, but um, I'm delighted anyway. <laughs> That's amazing. Like, I know, and by no means am I saying this from a, a medical perspective because I'm not a doctor, I'm not a gynecologist, but um, I was put on the pill for um, hypothalamic amenorrhea. So I just think, and now like I, I use it for contraceptive reasons. So yeah. I just think like it's always looked at as like, oh, you've got this wrong, go on the pill. I know. And it's really, it must be really frustrating for the likes of yourself. That's like a nutrition coach. And I'm sure you get people coming to you being like, oh, my doctor put me on the pill because I have PCOS or yeah. I've got hypothalamic amenorrhea. Um, and I suppose it's it's hard not to step on a doctor's toes and like 
take it's just you know, yeah it's just frustrating because it's kind of it's missing out in so much other parts of the condition that you have like say with hypothalamic amenorrhea like that's such a dangerous you know condition of left under undiagnosed or misdiagnosed and putting the pill giving you the pill for that and then you're getting this withdrawal bleed but you're missing out on like what about the bone health issues and the brain like your your mood problems and things like that and fertility down the line all those kind of things it's not being addressed like there's so much more to that condition than just the bleed that you're getting every month that's part of it but it's it's kind of ignoring the 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 the, the most important part of the menstrual cycle is that we actually need to ovulate to make these hormones for our overall bone health or heart health or brain health all of that and you know, if we're being given the pill for these treatments, for these conditions, um, but it's not addressing those issues. It's just kind of ignoring all the other problems and just saying, oh, but it'd be fine. You're getting that bleed. So it's all fine, but it's ignoring all the other problems. Similarly with PCOS, you give some of the pill, but you haven't addressed the insulin resistance or the inflammation or anything that's going on either. You know, an insulin resistance is really at the, the biggest root of the problem. So, um, like the pill, I think is, thank God we have it. I think it's amazing. Like, and I use it for contraception as well. And I'm so grateful for it. It's like, it, it really is. And I always am a worry that I come across as anti-pill. And I just, I'm so, I really do get annoyed when it's given for conditions that it's not actually, it's, it's, it's really a disservice to women's health. It, there's so many other aspects of their health that they're ignoring by just giving someone a pill. You know, their heart health, their diabetes risk, their bone health, their mental health is all suffering. Um, and it's just this pill has been given and they're under the illusion you're treating everything um, with this pill when it's not the case. So that's just what annoys me about it. Um, but, you know, I love I it for the other side of it. You know, it's really, it's yeah. so empowering to have this choice, to have this option to use if we want to use it for our, you know, our sexual health and, um, or, you know, our contraceptive health, which is really important. I, I think as well, like the fact that we're not educated by our doctors, that it is like, and not that they're going to come out and say that it's just a cover up, but like, yeah. it's, it's, I was always just told, right, this is the answer. If you don't have a period, you need to go on the pill because that's going to give you a period. Whereas I went probably like three, four, five years thinking that that was a period. Yeah. And it was only really when I got into the fitness industry and I learned, you know, even that if you are put on the pill for HA or PCOS, like that's, that's a, a withdrawal, like it, or a, it's a withdrawal bleed. It's not a, it's yeah. not a period. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I went to my doctor there, like, I think it was last year, um, because my period actually kind of changed a little bit after the, the vaccine. And again, this is quite normal for people with hormonal issues like PCOS. So, uh, we're more like, I suppose, sensitive to, um, inflammation changes. So I, I just wanted to check though, was there anything else going on? Because I was having like, um, a regular bleeding and I was like, and I read up on it on the vaccine and I, I knew it was probably was that, but at the same time, I just wanted to get it all checked out and uh, everything was fine. But they was like, well, you know, you have regular bleeding, just go on the pill. And I was like, no, I want to ovulate every month. I don't want to go on the pill. And she was like, oh, but like, you know, you'll get a bleed after you get a regular period. I was like, I wasn't even going to bother. I was just like, no, it's fine. I'm not, I'm not even going into this conversation. Um, but like, there's me, like, studying this and working with women with this every single day even nearly afraid to say something to my doctor so I can understand how like every single person or every woman that goes to a doctor is is not going to stand up and say like but like that isn't how it actually works like you know like because they that they're obviously the the experts in, in that area you know but at the same time they're giving this drug just to give you a withdrawal bleed unfortunately that's what it is it's not regulating your period you're not regulating your natural cycle a natural cycle is when you have ups and downs and hormones and a pill cycle is not that you have a flat line basically Mm -hmm. the whole month you don't have any ups and downs or fluctuations so yeah that's (laughs) that's that piece I guess interesting and so I suppose when you get a client coming to you and they have PCOS is there kind of a list of certain things that you will generally get them to focus on first in order to better manage their PCOS or just have them well I suppose it's it's great that there are people like yourself because I am definitely you know under the the mindset of like people when they hire a coach they just have that extra bit of support so like the fact that you've gone through it as well you know exactly what this 
going through, which I think is so helpful. Um, I think experience really can just be a, a huge, a huge help when it comes to coaching. But um, yeah, is, is there kind of like a list of things that you'll generally say to a client, right, these are the five things or three things that I want us to focus on in order to better manage your, your PCOS? Yeah, so it's, I really want to empower them to know that like diet has a huge role in helping them with this condition. And I suppose before getting into that, maybe talk about the insulin resistant piece, because then it will tell why I talk about the diet so much. So with PCOS, about 80% of women will have some degree of insulin resistance, uh, which basically means that you're not using up the, the sugar in your body the way you should, and you're not converting that sugar or carbohydrates that you, you eat and break down into energy. And therefore you're left with this buildup of sugar in the bloodstream and also a buildup of excess insulin. Um, and then when this excess insulin builds up, it can target your ovaries and cause and um, um you know, the inovulatory cycles and it can tar- lead to a buildup of excess testosterone. Um, this is perhaps one of the main mechanisms of why we have PCOS. Um, it's just insulin resistance problem. And <clears throat> so a lot of what we can do with our diet is helping to manage the insulin resistance. So I suppose if we wanted to call a diet, which is the best diet, I'd probably say like a Mediterranean style diet would be the most recommended one for PCOS. And what that consists of, and what I would go through with my clients is number one, starting to educate them on eating more protein and having protein with each meal, um, particularly from like lean protein sources um, <clears throat> and then legumes and pulses and things like that. But also so we have our protein piece and then fiber piece. So fiber and protein together are absolutely essential for managing blood sugars, controlling that blood sugar response and not leading to such a big rise in insulin um, production, which is, again is going to help manage your cravings and some, some of the symptoms to do with PCOS. Um, so high fiber, high protein diets, some healthy fats in there, particularly oily fish twice a week. If you don't eat oily fish, try and take a supplement and lots of fruits and vegetables. um, And they would be the main areas. It's pretty basic. I know it sounds like, well, that's not that complicated. That's I've heard that before. It really is generalized nutrition advice, really. Um, You know, maybe going for the lower glycemic index carbohydrates. So the ones that don't spike blood sugars as quickly, you know, so white rice, maybe would spike blood sugars very quickly, whereas say brown rice would be a bit lower because of the fiber content. So high fiber and protein are kind of your your ideal combination, uh, plus some healthy fats in there, um, fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, and um, enjoy the food that you like then in moderation. A huge part of what I do is not like having a restrictive approach. It's really important that my clients don't feel restricted because there is such a, com- a a big association with PCOS and binge eating disorder. And if you tell someone to cut out chocolate and sweets, it's only going to spur in, you know that kind of um, negative association with that food and then maybe lead to binge episodes when things are a bit hard or tough or you go through an emotional period. It's so interesting because I've had a, a good few people on talking about female health and what we can do to better support our hormones, even if you don't have PCOS, just yeah. in general. And the Mediterranean diet, exactly what you listed off there, is really seems to be, I hate to say the best diet because I don't yeah. want to create certain things. It's a lifestyle, they call it. Like it's a lifestyle and that's what it is. And like as part of that lifestyle, they'll have moderate alcohol, no smoking, regular exercise. It's And they have like, they mind they eat more mindfully. They're more present with their, you know, when they're eating. And it's not just the food, it's a whole lifestyle. And it's, um, that's what it should be. Like instead of take the word diet out of it, it's a lifestyle change. And that's what you want. Yeah. And like, this is what I want my clients and I'm sure you to come away with lifelong solutions like that mm-hmm. is easy to adapt into your everyday life because you know again I'm not cutting I'm not telling them to cut out bread or cut out dairy you know certain people may need to and we'll go through that maybe if they've got individual sensitivities but on a general level I'm not saying cut out these groups because it's just yeah. it leads to a restrictive mindset which is just I just don't think it's necessary really, you know, unless um, you've got really, you know, severe reactions to certain ingredients or certain um, foods. I think that's a really good point to make because correct me if I'm wrong, but the very kind of old school advice was if you have PCOS, your solution or your way to solve it is lose weight and cut out carbs. Yeah. And I think it's so hard because if you're told that by your doctor, 
you're probably going to believe it and you're probably going to try to do whatever you can. But I think it's really interesting the way you mentioned the psychological connection there is there with that there's a, a higher risk. Um, I think you said higher risk of binge eating and disorder yeah. eating. Those I, have PCOS. I think if we just like change it around and start to empower women to understand PCOS, which is what I try to do, that if we start to work on the insulin resistance piece and start to work on lowering the inflammation that's going on in the body, we can help regulate periods. We can help lose fat. We can help change our body composition this way. And um, rather than the sole purpose or sole piece being weight loss, lose weight and everything will change. The reason weight is probably there is because you're insulin resistant. You find it harder to lose weight because there's a problem with utilizing the sugar and in, in, in your, in the body and the insulin isn't being, um, you're producing too much insulin. Uh, and if you have too much insulin, it may start to store, store, um, fat in the body so like if we start to switch it around rather than say weight loss is how you manage it said start to manage the core of the problem the insulin resistance the inflammation start to maybe work on your hormones like testosterone and maybe working on pathways that help to like remove the excess hormones from the body so you really work on supporting the liver and the gut health all of that will then help with every aspect of your health it's more empowering it takes a pressure away of I'm on the scales every week. I'm not seeing it move, but you know, you're working on your overall health. And it also then will improve your relationship with yourself and your food, which brings you, I suppose, to the, the binge eating piece. Like, you know, it will maybe help with reducing binge eating episodes because like there is a bigger association or there is an association with binge eating and, um, PCOS because of one the hormonal fluctuations that are occurring your body's going up and down and a way to cope with that might be just binge eating you feel really emotional and stressed because one hormonal changes and two you've got all these symptoms that make you feel crap you may have excess hair growth or you may be struggling to lose weight and just feel really bad about yourself and so another way someone might cope is by binge eating so that may be possible reasons why it's more common uh, with, with people with PCOS. So yeah, um, there's so many p- parts to it. It's just not as simple as eat less, move more or cut out carbs. And the problem with cutting out, ca- out carbs is it makes your life absolutely miserable. Um, you'll just feel really... We all love carbs. <laughs> yeah, like you'll just feel so low in energy and you need carbohydrates to actually ovulate. So if we don't have carbs, we won't ovulate, which is what we actually need to do with PCOS is ovulate. So it yeah. doesn't really make sense. I think as well, like if we look at a lot of carbohydrate dense foods, so I'm thinking of, you know, whole grains, potatoes, they're really high in fiber as well. So like you were saying, like getting enough fiber into your diet is really important. And if we put out carbohydrates as a whole, that also will lessen our chances of getting fiber into our diet. So I can understand that there's maybe, you know, suggestions to limit, um, like, uh, you know, sweets you know as uh, simple sugars like exactly um, yeah why can't i think off the top of my head like, simple sugar? Yeah, just donuts, you know, like, like fried fatty baked goods like so the combination yeah. of say refined carbohydrates and fried goods together can be really like more harmful for our health and they contain trans and unsaturated fats which you know increase the risk of cardiovascular disease increase diabetes risk um, and of course will increase inflammation and insulin resistance with pcos too so those type of foods definitely keep them to more a, a very lower a, a reduced consumption i guess so like you said the simple sugars things that are easily broken down so like fruit juices and um you know sweets and chocolate and cakes and uh, things like that like and baked goods croissants and things like that keeping them to more like a, a reduced consumption Um, again not saying you can never eat them and if you're in a position like that you are out somewhere and they're there and that's the only option like do not sweat it's not going to completely ruin any sort of progress but they would be more uh like very low consumption compared to the more like slow releasing carbohydrates like like you said potatoes and whole grains and things like that which contain a lot of nutrients that we need yeah and and I think that's pretty you know solid advice for anybody wanting to improve their nutrition in in some aspects it's things in moderation um so yeah no that's that's great information when it comes to exercise is there anything in particular we know that obviously general exercise you know staying active yeah can be can be super beneficial but from a PCOS perspective is there anything that you would definitely recommend 
people do. Yeah. Well, I definitely recommend this is so basic and boring, but just walking daily as, as much as you can. Like there is it's thought that if you walk like every day, like even if it's like, it doesn't have to be 10,000 steps, but trying to walk, you know, within 15 to 20 minutes after a meal can be really beneficial to help the lower the insulin response. So help to help with that. So you um, regulate your insulin levels. I also think walking in the morning is a really good thing for um everyone really in general like the general it's general advice but again for PCOS it'll help to lower the stress hormone cortisol it help with your sleep it'll help with your mood so getting outside in the morning will give you that light that daylight that helps with your overall energy mood cortisol lowering that stress hormone cortisol and if you've got too much cortisol in the body it doesn't make it harder to lose weight it disrupts your digestion disrupts ovulation so on a general level, I like to get my clients to try and walk first thing in the morning if possible, but if not, to get outside um, throughout the day at some point and get their steps up. And then after that, it really does come down to what they really enjoy. Like you say, you're right, any sort of movement is really good. I do think resistance training, and it has been like the most it's pretty um there's a good solid amount of evidence behind this really benefiting women with PCOS because if you're doing some form of resistance training, you're building up the muscle in the body and the muscle acts like a sponge to the, ins- the the glucose. So it helps to absorb it and convert it to energy. So you're really helping to change your body composition, uh, reduce fat, and this will have a lot of favorable benefits on your metabolic health, like your, your hormones, your cardiovascular risk, your diabetes, your ovaries, everything really. So it's a really good one to include like three or four times a week. And the thing is, it doesn't have to be extremely intense. Uh, It's just low impact would be really, really beneficial. And then any sort of other movement you enjoy in that, like, you know, if you enjoy like an intense workout, that's fine if you like to do say like a spin class or something, it is good to get your heart rate up. Um, um, the thing is, like, I wouldn't recommend like re- like focusing solely on hit workouts and re- neglecting your your strength and just your general movement. And uh, hit workouts, they're they're not like really problematic, but they can be a bit stressful on the body when your body is trying to, I suppose, get into balance. Really, so if that's the only thing you're doing. It's it might be a bit too too much on the system. So, you know doing like maybe one or two cardio sessions a week and then three or four weight sessions or as walking maybe bring in some pilates or yoga in there as well so it really like i mentioned a lot of variety there so whatever works for you and that and the person like but i do think if you are beginning to really look at your exercise for pcos start with resistance training and just general day-to-day movement and i think that will really really help amazing um and when it comes to i suppose other lifestyle things or or even some supplements is there supplements I know I always kind of like to say that they're like the the icing on the cake but from my understanding with with PCOS there are maybe a couple of supplements that can be really beneficial and um, yeah there, there are and I just want to touch you said the lifestyle things as well so like it's so important that you're not neglecting the basics like again like what you would say to your general clients like your sleep and um your yeah your sleep and your stress they're so so important because like they're foundations really and like I've got like whole modules on them in my in my courses like because they're fundamental you can be eating all the right things but like still not sleeping very well or not focusing on your sleep and you're really really stressed it's very important that you're looking after these things like it's sleep if we need probably like eight hours with PCOS to help the body recover if we're not sleeping well we're going to have imbalances in cortisol and insulin we're going to have more cravings the next day we'll probably crave for more carbohydrates and our blood sugar levels will be up and down our mood will be up and down it will just lead to a cascade of irregular hormones plus behaviors that don't support PCOS after as a result of that so working on your sleep whether it's um that morning walk actually can really help with your sleep and um blue light at night getting rid of that as much as you can um and just like maybe doing a brain dump before bed something like that that kind of just switches your mind off reading a book rather than watching tv like before going to bed as well i think like reading a book can help just like your eyes get into that sleepy state as well mm-hmm. um, and then stress like everyone has stress in their life so i'm not saying you're going to be able to get rid of it but giving your body the best resources to cope with it like so making sure you're not like fasting or skipping meals is one thing you can do eating regularly like to regulate your blood sugars 
taking a magnesium supplement can help with cope with stress, particularly a magnesium glycinate. It's more absorbable and helps calm your nervous system. Um, and then doing things to help your, your mind cope with stress, whether it's the getting outside in the day is a great one, being outside in nature. It, there are studies showing being in blue and green areas helps your, your nervous system relax and, and, and calm down. Um, music, talking to your friend, podcasts, yoga, meditation. There's so many things now. It's about find, just making time in your day for yourself. So I just recommend that rather than saying you need to do this because like some people just don't like meditation and be resistant to it so I wouldn't be saying you need to do this thing exactly but I do recommend everyone finds you know at least you know 10 to 30 minutes in your day to do something just for you to make you feel a bit more centered and grounded and and relaxed so um that's just on the lifestyle piece which I think is still really important alongside your nutrition so if we're looking at on a hierarchy you know I don't even know. I probably put up sleep and stress nearly at the top, then your nutrition, and then would come in supplements because, like you said, they're the icing on the cake and they can be really, really helpful. Um, but the other things need to be prioritized firstly. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I think, and we'll get into supplements in, in a second, but I, I think it's really reassuring people listening to this because certainly what I have heard from a lot of people is if they have PCOS, they feel that that, stops that is the the barrier in their way to losing weight and I just think with everything that you've said there like just because you have PCOS does not mean you cannot lose weight like it is really possible but exactly what you said instead of focusing solely on the weight loss focus on what are better ways you can you know improve your insulin resistance and and better manage your or reduce inflammation and which is all that we've listed there but I just uh, yeah I think that that gives people a lot of hope because again if you go to your doctor and you're just told right you have to lose weight that's that's going to be in your head and already as a female losing weight is such a touchy subject or can be such a subject for us throw in having PCOS which affects our hormones which can affect our mood and yeah, yeah like think. I've had I've had women come to me like who have heard that exact advice lose weight who have already been trying like you know they've been on low calorie diets they've been running every single day or doing hit workouts intensely and still not seeing a result to be told that and be like but I am trying it's so it's so frustrating deflating like you know defeatist kind of it's a horrible thing to hear when you've been trying so hard so it's just like I really want to help women understand how they can lose weight by managing the metabolism basically metabolism sorry in the that's what's going on you want to work on your overall metabolism and uh, by doing so working on the inflammation and the insulin resistance that occurring in the body and by looking at that you're helping everything else but it's just taking that pressure away but you're also empowering yourself with I'm actually working on the thing that's called making it hard for me to lose weight I know now what I need to work on so you're working on stress hormones you're working on insulin resistance you're working on inflammation and when you start working in all of those three things you're helping your overall hormonal health massively helping your body get into a more healing place and starting to support weight loss in a more yeah I will agree it is harder to lose weight with PCOS you have a slower metabolism but you can start to make it you can start to heal the metabolism too in time you can start to support that metabolism to get stronger and and faster I suppose and it's not about having this really super fast metabolism it's just like a normal metabolism that can adapt to what's going on in your day-to-day and help you burn fat at a better rate um and you can start to work on that through these um approaches and that that's the approach that I like to use with my clients rather than I don't even recommend like when they come to me some of them count calories but like at the start I really just encourage them to work on understanding and learning the tools to work on hormonal health and balancing blood sugars reducing insulin resistance reducing inflammation through the foods in their diet rather than focusing on calorie counting which can get a bit too much with PCOS because you're expecting to see weight loss results and I understand you do need to be in a calorie deficit it's not taking away from that but it's really important that they are not becoming too obsessed with the calorie counting with PCOS because like they have a slower BMR based on metabolic rate, it will take a bit longer to see changes. So I'd rather see changes in overall body composition, working on their 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 resistance training, increasing muscle mass, lowering body fat in time, very gradually, slowly, but seeing the positive changes and looking for the small wins. Like 
people with PCOS will come and have really strong sugar cravings, really bad sleep, really low energy levels. Once those three things start to change, that's when you know you're making positive directions, you're moving in the right direction. You're starting to regulate your blood sugars more. You want to see better energy levels, reduce sugar cravings and better sleep within the first few weeks of changes with, with me anyway. That's what I want to see when you, when you start implementing the changes. Um, and that shows that you're starting to heal your body a bit more if, if, if for if for a better word really yeah no it's, it's a really holistic approach you have which I think like that you know calorie counting can be useful for people and sometimes I, I, I will re- suggest that to clients sometimes yeah. a client comes to me and you just I suppose that's the art of coaching is knowing yeah, who exactly things are suitable for and who they're not suitable for um and I suppose just so we don't kind of forget in terms of um supplements yeah. is, there, is there anything that you would recommend yeah definitely so I have one holy grail I guess it's um my inositol or inositol supplement so this is like a natural sugar that's found in our the body however it's thought that women with PCOS have um lower amounts of it and basically it's like a sig- signaling molecule that helps to um transport the sugar into the cells and to be converted to energy so it's part of the insulin um you know pathway and helping where insulin brings sugar into the cells it's part of that process so if we have lower amounts of that this may be one reason why our insulin doesn't bring the sugar into the cells as efficiently as it should um so when we take an ositol supplement we help to lower blood sugars or regulate our blood sugars we have to increase ovulatory cycles and it can make our ovaries more sensitive to insulin as well so therefore we um increase ovulatory cycles we get um, improved fertility outcomes uh, lower testosterone um so it's targeting the root of the issue really it's really it's very it's a very effective supplement uh, and I was actually asked a really interesting question yesterday on my you know the way on Instagram we do a Q&A box and um a client asked or not a client but someone asked um do I need to take an Ozotol forever if I PCOS? And I actually, it was a really interesting question because I've been taking an Ozotol now for two years and I actually took a break for three months because I just ran out of it and I couldn't get it delivered. And I actually just kind of forgot about it because my cycle was going really good and it kept going really good. And I was like, well, this is amazing. And maybe I don't need it. So like I, I'm back taking it again, I'll be honest, because I just like, I just, I just want to really. I just feel like, you know, I just want to make sure everything's working okay. You and the, the benefits of it, like, you know, exactly. And the thing is, it's not like a synthetic. So it's, it's a natural ingredient that's found in our own bodies. It's like, it's not like this. I don't know. It, I feel like it's, it's just needed for people with PCOS. But the thing is, if you work on other factors to do with PCOS, like we talked about, like the resistance training and the dietary piece and your stress and sleep, you probably do make your body become more insulin sensitive. So you probably don't need to take it for the rest of your life anyway. So I probably would experiment in time of, of completely coming off it for, you know, another few months and seeing if I still see the same results. Um, but, you know, there's no harm in taking if you want to for really forever like there is no problem really um if it's helping with all your symptoms of PCOS and insulin resistance but what I would say is it's a great supplement but you have to make the changes with your diet and lifestyle first it's so important to take that into consideration um other supplements then would be the anti-androgen supplements would be things like zinc zinc helps to lower your androgen levels um so you could take this for about 90 days and like as part of like a um you know, if you're really starting to work in your PCOS at the beginning and you want to kind of put in everything to, to help yourself. So this would have the ovaries uh, function better. It supports auditory function. It lowers androgens like testosterone. Um, so it can be good for like the hair growth and hair loss. Um, I wouldn't take zinc citrate for more than 90 days, though. It's just recommended you take it for that long. Um magnesium was the other one I mentioned I kind of I do take magnesium pretty much all the time as well I do think we have lower levels in our body um due to you know poor food quality there's loads of factors that contribute to us having less and uh, nutrients in our bodies now that we used to have say and that's why we might need more supplements so uh, magnesium can help to uh, regulate your nervous system and um, it can also help control blood sugars and it um helps with lowering cortisol and things like that and also helps with progesterone production so it's a really good hormone um sorry mineral to take uh, to support hormones in general so even if you don't have pcos i would recommend taking magnesium um 
magnesium glycinate is probably the best form because it's the most absorbed by the body. It's easily to absorb and the glycine component helps. It's an amino acid which helps calm your nervous system as well. Interesting. That's, yeah. that's really great information. And, and like you said, it's, you know, that's kind of after, I suppose you've worked on yeah. the, the more important stuff, the top of the, the top of the pyramid. Yeah, brilliant. No, this has been so informative and so useful. So thank you so much for coming coming on the podcast, um, Mary Jo. I've I've really loved chatting to you and I've learned so much myself. Like I said to you before uh, we started recording, like as a coach, you obviously need to know these things. I've had clients come to me with PCOS before. Um, but I always I always learn something when I have somebody on, you know, the podcast teach me about female health. Um, I learn something new. So yeah. thank you much for for coming on i I just have a couple of um uh rapid fire questions i suppose before we Ah. finish up (laughs) Uh, um i always say they're really actually simple questions but a lot of people kind of have to take a pause and think about it so you have me nervous now (laughs) (laughs) uh question number one what is your favorite breakfast oh some sort of like a sweet kind of pancake with maple syrup and streaky bacon yeah, that just came into my mind, like something like oh, that. Like, real. Yeah. So I'd probably go for, it doesn't have to be high protein, but I normally do, but they are really good. Like I find them the exact same as like normal, say American style pancakes, but any sort of like sweet pancake with syrup and bacon. I, do I feel like, were you in Lisbon at some point? I live in um, Portugal. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't live in Lisbon now, but I have been in Lisbon a few times. Um, yeah. I'm I was going to say, have you been to Deer Breakfast and have you tried their sweet and, uh, sweet and salty, is it? Yeah, sweet and salty pancakes. Oh, I went, I was there in November with my friends and we, we went twice to go and the queue was so long and like we didn't yeah. bother because we were under time, but we both, we, we just really wanted to go there. It looked unreal. Like, you, so nice. Like, take a trip to Lisbon for the weekend and just yeah, go there. Just go there, yeah. It's so amazing. I We went there uh, last summer. I've been there a couple of times before. My boyfriend, he had never been. And I kept telling him about this place, the sweet and salty pancakes. And, oh, my God, I think we ate there in the week. Like, we ate there three times. I th- yeah, um, sweet and salty combo is my favorite anyway. So, no, you've sold me. I'm definitely going to try there now, definitely. Yeah, you have to try it. Uh, question number two: Who is your favorite uh, music artist? Rihanna. I love Rihanna. <laughs> yeah, so I'm such a basic bitch. Like I just love like real pop girly music. <laughs> Did you watch her Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah. I loved. It. I loved how she just like doesn't even need new music. I was just like, I love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this the other day, so we were in the gym and everybody was talking about Super Bowl, Rihanna, and everything. I was like you're probably not gonna like this but I was like I, I just didn't like get I know. it like I no I know and my sister was, like, was the same she was like I thought it was fine I was like what what I loved it <laughs> and for me she can do no wrong I don't know what it is like I've always loved her like and I went to see her in the Aviva like and everyone was giving out about the sound and I was like she was amazing <laughs> I don't know what it is I just love her <laughs> that is so good um lastly what is your favorite book oh okay this was a hard one Oh God! It doesn't have to be health related. It can it can be anything. Yeah. Um. Oh, I read a book. I never remember the name. It's so good. It's something like small little things or all little things or something. Oh, I only saw this in the bookshop the other day, and somebody did say it to me, and it jumped out to me, and then I actually chose a different book. Uh, all the little things. I think it could be something like that. Basically, it's about like a um. It's like, Is it a, a really like, long book? It could be like, it's about like a nurse um, and it's, it's it really, it talks about like the inherent racism that's in our, in our like society that we don't realize. So it's like this neo-Nazi who um, has um, like a baby, is delivering a baby and it's like a black nurse and he won't let the black nurse um deliver the baby basically and it goes through this whole story in the court case it's amazing I think they're going to make a film out of it I'm not sure but it's a very good book it really like made me realize like whoa we are like like there's so much racism in our in our world that we don't even in little things just little things it was really really good and that's probably my favorite like you know book I've read that like yeah like what would you call like a fiction book or yeah. yeah and then I love um for health related the period repair manual it's just it's one I recommend to my clients to coaches everyone to read to understand more about hormones it's by, by Lara Biden it's just a really good understanding of PCOS now like not everything in it is you know 
she goes into it a lot about like the different types of PCOS, which are, I kind of like, I used to like be really into the types of PCOS when I first started learning PCOS. But as I like kind of worked more in the field, I kind of feel we get too sucked into the types and like want to put ourselves into this box and be like, I'm this type, I'm this type. Whereas really inherently everyone PCOS has like probably bits of every type really and it's just about like managing them all in a holistic sense but it's a really good book to understand more about your hormones in general what PMS is and why you get PMS all these kind of things so uh, I really like it as an easy read like I wouldn't say easy read but a easy easy to understand book about like hormones and things like that so um yeah that would be one yeah yeah because like I sometimes find you know you you can get clients asking you like okay if I want to understand more about this and by no means we always obviously as coaches want questions but sometimes you know reading something is going to be you know really beneficial for them we might miss something or or forget to say something but um it's always nice having those books that that they can understand like I think you know I've even read books myself to do with health and fitness or whatever and it's it's really in depth and it's just yeah too much maybe yeah yeah exactly I'm not a a great reader I feel I learn better by watching or or yeah I know what you mean Um, yeah and sometimes I can even get overwhelmed by books so that's brilliant and I actually that is one of the books on my list um that I need to get because I have heard heard great things about it yeah Um, yeah amazing so and lastly Mary Jo where can people find you whether it's Instagram website TikTok where where are you yeah so Instagram is probably the best still I do have a website but um to be fair Instagram is probably the best place to reach me and either send me a DM or like there's I've got like a mailing list um I've got podcast um so you'll see everything in the link in my bio there so MJ Nutrition is where you'll find me um so I've got the female health podcast which kind of goes through basically female health topics so um I've got lots of guests on that and I have um lots of episodes on hormones PCOS all those type of things and yeah I've got uh, I think this is going to be released probably later on isn't it when my course is starting so anyway if you want to work with me on PCOS I've got like one-to-one coaching and I do like an eight-week group session like PCOS reset boot camp which gives you like one-to-one check-ins every week and weekly led videos guided videos and things like that um so I will be starting a new one probably um like every kind of 10 weeks or so that's kind of when I will be doing it so yeah that's um if anyone wants to work with me on that but definitely send me a dm if you have any questions just follow me I, I post a lot of um whether it's content or q a's and things like that so I have, I've got content that helps anyone with PCOS yeah, anyway brilliant. brilliant content um yeah amazing so Mary Jo thank you so much for joining us on the podcast I absolutely love chatting to you yeah I do too it's really enjoyable I really hope you enjoyed that episode with Mary Jo and took plenty of helpful tips from it. If you found it useful, I would love for you to share it with your friends, family, or anyone else you think might find it useful as this really helps in growing the podcast. For more info, make sure to follow me on Instagram at Vicky Cornick, as well as my gym page at victory underscore fitness underscore IE. This is where you can also check out our 28 day trial that we run for half price. And lastly, if you're wanting to get updates for future episodes, which include some incredible guests, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. See you next time.